Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hotline Monday. I'm Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young. Hi, Justin. This is the part of the show where I forget that I haven't tweeted, and I tweet uh, while I'm doing my introduction, and I hope Scott covers me for the next five seconds. You're a pro. Always a pro. Uh, always count on Justin to get the tweet out early, <laughs> and uh, it's all good. <laughs> I tweeted earlier today about what our weird topic is, and we'll get to that in a second, but... Um, Maybe we should mention it now. I had made an error last Monday and said that. You did. I, yeah, I said Mr. Robot was going to be. T- we, we, listen, Scott, we win as a team. We lose as a team. Okay. Uh, we, 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 we done goof. Okay. You took a bullet. We both took a bullet then for my dumb comment, which was last Wednesday was supposed to be the finale of Mr. Robot for season, season two, and they were going to do back-to-back episodes. And that is not what happened at all. Uh, we did get an excellent episode, but there's still one more, and that is this week. So we're not doing today's full-blown Mr. Robot blowout, despite the fact that Rami Malek won Best Actor Award for Outstanding Performance in a Drama in last night's Emmys. be a perfect time to talk about that, but no, we're going to wait until next week. Did you hear what he said when he accepted his award? I saw nothing of the Emmys except for uh, the star turn by uh, Jebward Bush. Oh, yeah. I, I love <laughs> His little uh, his little intro, continuing the torch of uh, or the, the the grand tradition that as soon as conservative and Republican candidates no longer become political threats, they become Hollywood darlings. Yeah. Following in the footsteps of of, of uh, Mitt Romney and Bob Dole. Yeah. Now 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 Jeb Bush, the lovable, huggable Jeb Bush. Not so much from the the Democrats. When you saw like Al Gore disappear for a while, he showed up later on like Futurama. And stuff like that, and then like uh, maybe South Park. I can't remember if he actually did that voice or not. But bottom line is, he just went away. They get to be rock stars. Yeah. The, 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 the Democratic candidates get to be like everybody fools themselves into thinking that these old white guys are like the hippest, raddest <laughs> people on the planet. So it's like Al Gore and John Kerry and 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 the the, the Democratic losers. They get kind of overblown in the moment, and then at some point it fades, and and everyone's like, "Oh, geez, like does anyone really want to sit in a room with Al Gore anymore? If yeah. he doesn't like, if, if he might not be the great liberal savior." Well, I'm guessing uh, Obama's going to bring in a whole new era of uh, popularity when he shows up at colleges to speak and gets 400 grand a, a speech night or whatever at Princeton or whatever. It's going to be he's going to be making. Oh, he's young. Money. So that's going to be going mm-hmm. on until all of us are dead. He is going to outlive <laughs> all of us. You're probably right. Uh, anyway, so what we're going to talk about today is nothing to do with Mr. Robot. Oh, I was going to say the line that uh, uh, what's his name said up there. Uh, Elliot, when he got up to take his award. Rami Malek. Right? Yes. His words were basically. um can all, can all of you see me up here? Basically uh, making reference to the show about how uh, oh, am great. I really here or not? And, you know, probably really meant it in some some way. Like here he is yeah. getting his getting his uh, his comeuppance for an incredible year uh, of performance by that guy. And I think it's well deserved. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that show next week in a lot more detail, I, I'm guessing. You, you want you want to do just a non-spoiler uh, uh, mini mini review of, of the first half of the uh, the first half of the, the the finale there? We probably should. Probably something just, about a fish. Just, just a mini cap. Just a mini cap. Because to be honest, I don't know if there's anything that you can spoil because <laughs> nothing made sense, right? But yeah. that show has earned such trust from me that it can just go full like David Lynchian. Like none of half of this might connect, and a third of it is a red herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm in mm-hmm. because I know 
you you're you're constantly looking for the uh, for, for the seams in that show, right? Because yeah. you want to see. Bob, I'm not going to be fooled, especially because they just they just pulled the rug out from under you uh, earlier in the season, uh, and and yet I don't know. I'm 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 wickedly captivated, and I will say this: the conspiracy theorist wing of the Mr. Robot fandom. Oh yeah, overdrive. <laughs> Overdrive. I spent uh, a little bit texting back and forth with uh, Bryce Neshkam Castillo, uh, the producer on such fine shows as Night Attack and Weird Things and yeah. Cord Killers, and uh, and he was just giving me a rundown of everything from who's a clone, who's a robot, <laughs> who's time traveling. Like everything's on the table. Is someone that. really a robot? Somebody synthetic in there? That's the thing is that there's some there's robot. A case and, and 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 past this we started getting into spoiler territory but but there are conspiracy theories yeah that posit that part of the inciting act that brought our three main characters together yeah uh including the ones that are parts of other characters uh that that might be not what it seems. Okay. That that might, there there might be more science fictiony elements to that. Now that is a conspiracy theory. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but right. I love. Not since Lost has oh, yeah. there been a show where where that could be in play. Yeah, I completely agree. It's so good that way. So um, a nice surprise here to tell you guys about. I have a big chunk of bonus audio from our conversation that happened after we stopped the show last week. It's probably. Oh gosh, I could tell you real quick. It is and scene. All right, that's the very end of the show. It is eight and a half minutes long, and oh, it, more Mr. Robot. It's talk. us talking about more Mr. Robot talk, and at the end of it, you say, "Oh crap, I have to go and get on a plane," and so we ended it. So uh, sometime this week, I'll put that up as a little bonus uh, file if people are interested. Just know that there are plenty spoilers in there, and I'll just say one other thing about that weird first part of this finale or if you want to call it the 11th episode and 12th is the finale whatever you want um well, they're they're listed as part one and two yeah yeah, yeah. so like, i'm gonna just say this about it episode, yeah i didn't go in to this or anything else this year and expect someone to play the versions of a couple of cover songs that were featured specifically in the back to the future soundtrack and i don't know what to make of that and that's not a spoiler you're just gonna hear them and if you're familiar with Back to the Future, the first movie, you are absolutely going to recognize these particular versions of these songs. I I did, I did not recognize it, it. It was one of those things where I just knew that that little that that horn riff that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't. I'm like, is that Blues Brothers? Is that like like what classic movie has that horn riff in it? And it wasn't until I was talking to you that you were like, and you just like said the name of the song. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 And that not only that one, at the end, they crescendo with one. Yeah. And it's another one from that thing. And the only reason I know this is I wore that tape out in 1985. I played that all the time, constantly. The soundtrack. Yeah. All the time. I loved it. I thought Huey Lewis was the greatest dude in the history of ever. And the and the the news were, were the second greatest people ever made. And sports was a great album. And I just loved everything to do with anything to do with Back to the Future. I was super in. And that that tape, I had a tape version of the soundtrack, and I played it all the time. So those songs are permanently burned into my head. And as soon as I heard them, it was immediately familiar, which guys has all these questions in my head about why that reference. 
Like, why that specifically? Is there time travel involved somehow? I don't know. But then I'm starting to feel like one of those conspiracy guys. Like, I should be posting something on Reddit right now and, and you know, covering my webcam with a piece of tape. Like, I don't want to get that deep into the rabbit hole, but gosh dang it, it was good. And so there you go, our little recap. It was great. All right, yeah, the the one thing, and this is this is more of a stylistic uh, uh, thing, uh, not really about the plot. If you have looked at where they have made very, very big audio, like, you know, playlist decisions before, yeah. it's usually been to acknowledge elements mechanically that they are either aping or stealing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So when... When they play, uh, or, or or you know that they had Keith David do the voiceover for the fish in the episode that was very similar to Requiem for a Dream, right? Or you know, in in episode that this is definitely a spoiler. They play uh, a song that is evocative of a movie, or that a song that is prominently featured in a movie that has these big elements in a in a big revelatory episode at the end of episode one. Anybody who's seen it has gotten it. Anybody who's not is probably turning off their you know, episode right now because they don't want to hear anymore. But right. uh, I would be more, I would think more that we are going to get an uh, a second half finale that mechanically or plot-wise features elements or is similar to Back to the Future than there literally being an involvement in time travel or you know, Libyans or anything. That would be consistent. That's a good point. Maybe maybe it's just thematically they're going to pull some stuff. Although somebody getting shot in a parking lot by way of a Libyan agent <laughs> is very in play for Mr. Robot. So maybe that is it. That was it. It was just the, the equivalency to a mall parking lot and Doc Brown being shot. But then do we take it for, do we take it to that end? Do we say the person who got I don't want to spoil anything. There's only one place where it ends. All right. Uh, and that is in the Old West, where ZZ Top is playing <laughs> the same four chords. Speaking of the Old West, Scott. Perfect transition. Woo! We're talking about the Old West and not. <laughs> that's another. That's another riff. Or whatever. Back to the Future has two riffs that I just like, like, like burrowed into my head. And, and, and the, the ZZ Top. And then he flips the the little uh, drum. Man, love it. It's so good. So here's a little taste of the kind of western music I like. See if you can recognize this is from. Ringing a bell yet? No. Nothing. Nothing. No. This okay. is. Uh, I. 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 To, to be honest, if it ain't. Uh, uh, Neo uh, Morricone, then I'm not super on my Western. Uh... <laughs> See, and I'm more of a. I, it's not that I don't like spaghetti westerns. I do. I think they have their place, but I'm way more of a um, not traditionalist. But I like a good epic like this kind of business. And we're talking about this because we are on the um, not the eve, but we're very close to the release of because of, of of a movie that maybe me, you, and Brett the Amtrek around Zavilla are excited to see, which is <laughs> remake of the Magnificent Seven, starring Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, uh, expectations before we we get into the broader discussion. Do you think this movie is going to be good? I think that it has the potential to be good. I'm a little concerned because. All right, let me let me give you the quick quick version of how I feel. I think the casting looks incredible. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the original. 
Uh, my only complaint about the original is it wasn't very action packed. It was very methodic and a lot of conversation and I, not enough of a Western for me. This thing came out in the sixties. I wasn't even born when it was made, but I saw it when I was young and I thought it was well, cool. And, and of course, kind of, you know, the, uh, one of the defining elements of the Western, which I guess can kind of bring us into our larger conversation is how much as a canonical American story mm-hmm. and very much symbolic of what has transpired that, you know, America, the, the, these Western stories of how the West was won, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was also simultaneously so allegorical to all these other primitive kind of like uh, uh, stories of like, you know, a might makes right stand up mm-hmm. for what you believe in, that kind of stuff that it translated so effectively to Europe. And, and of course, when we talk about the Magnificent Seven, you have to remember that it comes from the Kurosawa Seven Samurai story. It is essentially a remake of the Seven Samurai story, yep. which then foretells kind of what Westerns became, which is the story symbolically of Hollywood and Western culture, specifically Hollywood, conquering the world. Like right. it, it was the story of Hollywood conquering the West being every other like uh, a place that was was wanted for, even if they didn't realize it, a Western entertainment and, and and Western stories kind of stood for that. I totally agree. So so it's also important to note here that I respect Westerns for one very important role that they play, and that is it is the only form of true American mythology that we have. Other ancient civilizations have thousands of years of really good quality mythology. So the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians, they have these amazing bits of myth of great creatures grand and small and gods of of wrath and gods of good and and everything in between and you can just tell a million stories within the tapestry that is their version of mythology and here in america we are a young country a few hundred years old is all uh we don't have that stuff we came from those places so while we may have some some of that shared we don't have our own and the only thing we have here in this country is about 20 years or so in the 1800s yeah pure mythological uh amplification of what was actually going on and it's an endless time it's a time that feels like it has no beginning and end and there are a billion stories and allegories that can be told in that space and i think it's the root of why i love things like mad max and post-apocalyptic film and genre books and that sort of thing because at the end of the day they're all kind of a western too um they share a lot of things and so I also like it when these genres mix together. And I think ultimately the reason I like it so much is it is our, it is the only thing we can look at and, and, and have it look really unique and be a very specific thing and say that is American mythology or as close as we're ever going to get in the, you know, unless we're thousands of years down the road and we have more to point to, but that's a sweet piece of mythology. Well, so, cause it's that. also this, this, this world of, uh, of American puberty. Right. Mm-hmm. Like like that there are like in, in our own kind of like, uh, you know, pubescent tales, there are things great and terrible. There are things ugly and personal and embarrassing. And, and for every element of, hey, you want to know what? Here's the hero that that stands up. There is also this element of like, hey, who built those railroads? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, like the, the those entrenched power structure things that the reason why I think the the genre has never gone away right it's because there's always something to pick out sure we're, we're endlessly fascinated by it because even as 
you know, certain kinds of tales go in and out of style. And maybe the, you know, uh, the, 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 the one brave man who stands up to fight the bad guys, like, is something that people don't want to hear. We want more anti-hero stories. Great. We got the story of the bandit who got ran out of one town and then decides to redeem himself in the next town. Okay, well, maybe we're in a place where we don't want to hear about the good guys or we don't want to hear about the people that had uh, that were centered to power. We want to hear about the others. Mm -hmm. Great. We got the story of of uh, you know the, the immigrants. We have the story of the people that were, uh, I mean, although slavery doesn't really factor in as much, but that was really what Sometimes it does, sure. Sometimes it does. Yeah. But even but then, see, I, I actually don't like it when the historical stuff crosses over as much. I would prefer it sometimes if, uh, like, for example, there will be a Western that gets interrupted by the outbreak of the civil war and i'll go oh yeah that's right freaking that was a thing that actually like it, it kind of messes with my sense of the fantasy of it and i love the fantasy of it that 20 years could never end cars were never going to get made everybody had a gun all the towns looked like that stuff and it was all dirt and mud and it was awful everybody was al swearing up in his freaking weird office uh, running the town in some horrible way and there was always some white knight coming in with his guns to kill everybody and it's basically Every kind of trope and story can be retold a thousand times in the desert, and it feels fresh and new to me. So, so just put it lightly, I, I am an enormous fan. That being said, I don't know that I'm the most, I'm not the expert here on like Westerns. And I'm not even an expert on whether or not this film should do well. It certainly has the casting. I think Chris Pratt, Den Denzel Washington are great picks. Ethan Hawke and Denzel, by the way, back together for the first time since training day and it's the director same, of training day director yeah. right so you got you got uh, your antoine fuqua there at the helm uh a bunch of other people i really like some people i don't know which i'm excited to learn what they're like and i know what the story is going to be it's not like they have to like change this up too much the only fear i have is uh the last movie denzel did with um fuqua was that equalizer movie and that was awesome till about three quarters of the way through and then that last quarter was garbage. Just terrible, cheap, lame, lazy, awful, dumb uh, tail end of that movie. Whole first bit, great. Really good revenge tale stuff. Really good do the right thing stuff. Like really solid equalizer treatment, a show I really liked in the 80s. So I was excited about this. By the way, let, let's go ahead and uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's get this roll call here for, for Antoine uh, Fuqua. Post-training day. Training day, of course, coming out in 2001. Yeah. Star turn uh, gets Denzel uh, an Oscar, right? Yeah, uh, best, best actor that year. Uh, then he goes, Tears of the Sun. All right. It was okay. King Arthur. Yay. Yeesh. Shooter, Brooklyn's <laughs> finest. <laughs> Olympus has fallen. Yeah, it wasn't even the good. Uh, oh no, no, that, no, that was the good. Uh, the 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 good of uh, uh, terrorists take over the White House because yeah. there was two of them that came out that year. Yeah, and Olympus, Olympus has fallen. Got the sequel. The other one didn't. Yeah, the the se the sequel London is falling is terrible, but I liked Olympus has fallen. But I mean, good. at the same time. Oh, it's a sequel of a movie where somebody, where a terrorist take over the White House and there's one guy who has to save it, right? So right. it's like, how do you make a sequel and not make it the most ridiculous thing ever? Yeah. Then you have The Equalizer, Southpaw, which I did not see but got mixed critical reaction. And now The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, the that's the one. Now, real quick, uh, Antoine Fuqua, resp responsible for one of my favorite 90s films, The Replacement Killers in 1998. Which featured your friend and mine, well, more your friend than mine, 
uh, Merle from Walking Dead. Yeah, Rooker. He's in it. Uh, it's back when uh, uh, Chun Yao Fat was all the rage, or Yun Chun. Sorvino. Yeah, that's a great movie. Oh, great movie. It's awesome. Uh, it's bad, but it's great. So anyway, I guess I I like him, and I like his whole style. I think he's got a cool style. He's got this '90s kind of um, video music dude who went to be a director kind of thing happening. So I have really high hopes for this. That being said, what do you think it's going to be like? Because well, I, I am biased. I think it's going to be a bad movie. Mm. I think it's going to be a bad movie, but I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. Like uh, I think that there's there's something about westerns where it's like, you know, I and this is what frustrates me sometimes is that whenever, especially with our um, with with our our group, yeah. right? Yeah, we need to be better about admitting when we like things but they might not be good yeah doesn't cost anybody anything you can still say denzel did a great job chris pratt did a great job vincent d'onofrio does a great job right you can still say all those things mm -hmm. but i would be shocked if this movie were were good i think it'll be i think i will like it because i like these things and i like these actors and i like antoine fuqua when he's good Right. Sure. But I, I don't think that I'm going to walk out calling my mom as I normally do when I walk out of movies <laughs> and say, hey, go see this movie. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> I love that idea that you would call your mom. And I don't know. There's Just, something sweet about that. She would be actually I, I should do that. I should make that a thing. I think she would really. It's like not it. bad. Um, so so it has every right to be good. Before we uh, dive into any more detail, let's take our first call. Uh, we got a few waiting here. Hi, who's this? Hey, guys, it's Ian. I am Sci-Fi. Hey, man, what's going on with you today? Uh, what's happening, uh, man? Not too much, not too much. Uh, so is it just me, or is Hollywood taking the the wrong advice from uh, movies like True Grit uh, that, that, you know, were great uh you know, redos uh, and sort of like brought back uh, Westerns into the public eye. Like, I, I, I feel like the next, like, we should be getting new Westerns, not remakes at this point. Okay, that's a real good question. Um, and I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, the reason I liked Silverado so much when I was younger was that Silverado was, by all intents and purposes, a new film. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's absolutely worth going back and watching. And it features a cast that would all very quickly go on to some pretty amazing things, including um, oh, all their names just left me. Uh, 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 Kevin Klein. Thank Kevin you. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Uh, Brian Dennehy. Freaking uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. And the first thing most people ever saw him in. Kevin Costner. Costner's in it. That's basically Costner. Costner's star turn right there. Yeah. Um, whole bunch of people. And uh, it's great. It's really, really great. And it's very traditional and it's way totally like bad guys running stuff. Got to find a good guy. Good guy's reluctant, but eventually does the right thing. Like it is like freaking paint by the numbers in terms of plot. But man, what a fun freaking thing. And John Cleese plays the funniest, stupidest cameo you've ever seen. It's just a great movie. You know who directed it? Uh, that would have been Lawrence Kasdan. Mm -hmm. Maybe he did a little movie you might have heard of. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Might have been. Might have been. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Josh from Charlotte. Hey, Josh from Charlotte. What's going on? Hey, not much. So my thought on Unforgiven, maybe, or not Unforgiven, I'm sorry, the uh, Magnificent Seven. Maybe yes. I could be the only one that's disappointed in this, but are you guys disappointed it's not going to be a hard R? I like my Westerns to be 
sweary and violent. Yeah, it's not so much. Yeah, I'm I gonna, don't know. Uh, I, no, you want to know what I, I disagree with you because I don't think you need hard R. Okay. I think that right now where we're at with the PG-13 rating, you should be able to tell a gritty. I mean, because you can get away with like two F words, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that gritty enough, though? Like, in other words, let's define hard. What is a hard R anyway? Hard R is like what? A bunch of naked people doing it and F words all day or what? What's hard R? Or violence. I mean, like, just like 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 watching somebody's chest explode violence. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, so you, you accidentally, but I think importantly, said Unforgiven when you first got into the call? Well, yes. And there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that? Say- because that's a good example of, I think, what you're looking for and what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, that's an incredible film and yep. part of why it's incredible is it feels like the stakes are real. It feels, um, it's not just sort of popcorn fare. It feels like real gritty drama, uh, with, exactly. with real loss and all that. Uh, I don't know if they can do that here, given the mainstream quality of the original, the TV show that spun out from the Magnificent Seven. I don't know how many people saw that with Michael Bean and a bunch of other people that was, um, oh, the preacher was, uh, Ron Perlman. That was awesome. Awesome call. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's worth seeing, actually. It's streaming somewhere. It's totally fun to watch. But anyway, uh, I feel like it's too, it's already too much of a known for all ages kind of product and that they're already probably going to be pushing that a little bit uh, given uh, Fuqua's style as a director. So so I don't know the answer to that for sure or where this all ends up, but he makes a good point, Justin. Well, but, but but it's all right. But it's been a while since I've seen Unforgiven. Yeah. So I don't, I don't remember it exactly. But what, in 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 our modern era, because the the PG thirteen now is not what the PG thirteen used to be. Right, you can get away with a lot more, like uh, especially like those uh those like teen comedies in in like the nineties really started to stretch that. Yeah, right. Yeah, like where where you know you could you can get away with stuff, and it's like especially in westerns genre wise, you really only need a couple curse words, right? Yeah. Generally because by speaking. and large, it's a lot of people saying like, well, yes, ma'am, I do believe that there's a ding down there and you better be <laughs> in before sundown because, you know, there's a lot of proper talking. And then that sets it up as jarring when, you know, the drunkard uh, lifts his head up from the bar and he's like, well, I think the sheriff's a real <laughs> man, right? <laughs> All right. No, but so if you're if you're saying what an unforgiven couldn't be done today in a PG-13 film, probably... Just the hooker sex is the only thing I can think of. A scene of sexuality yeah. is what uh, it was rated R for. Uh, language, violence, and a scene of sexuality. What I'm saying is that language, obviously, you'd probably have to shave you know, a little bit, but I don't think enough that it would be probably something not. that people would feel like cheated by, right? right? right, right. Uh, violence, uh, I think we're just in a different place with violence now. I mean, yeah. I think you can get away with all the violence and Unforgiven in a PG-13 movie. Yeah, I think so. And the scene of sexuality, it's just, you know, you don't get you don't show a nipple. <laughs> right? Yeah, but can you be all humpy? Can you be humpy? You can hump. Oh, dude, you can do the humpty hump. Can you do the humpty hump in your in your in your western? Let's yeah. see if this listener can do the humpty hump on the line. Hi, who's this? Hey guys, it's Gabe. Hey, hey Gabe. Gabe. Yeah. What's, what's, what's going up, on, Gabe? Gabe? Always nice to hear from you. What's up? Uh so my I think I'm gonna give an over under on the Ron Tomato score on the Magnificent Seven, I'll give like a 55%. Uh, and yeah. I want to throw out the name. So I like like unconventional Westerns. Have you guys ever seen El Topo? No. Uh, tell me more. This sounds like something I'd like. So El Topo is 
I guess it would be an acid acid western. It's about uh, it's directed and stars Alejandro Jodorowsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and basically, it's a uh, the gunman traveling with his son, and he takes out four other gunmen, each representing a different religion, Christianity, uh, uh, and other Eastern religions. But it's just a crazy trip because it's very, very, very out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like freak show, but as a western. At the at the end, it's very hard to explain, and I can't do it justice. But I'll write it down and see it. I think that so sounds just, great. Just so you guys know, you might have been familiar with the name Jordowski if you followed the 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 development of the movie or the adaptation of the book Dune. Uh, he yeah. had apparently passed El Topo, uh, gotten the license for, and worked uh, you know pretty hard on on doing Dune, and that was one of the like the, the the buzz around that deal was one of the reasons why Star Wars wound up getting made. Oh wow, really? Yeah, because Jordowski was then after Dune fell apart. There was a question whether or not he wanted to come and do Star Wars and everything, or, 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 or whether George Lucas would want to work with him on it. So uh, Jordowski, a a kind of unsung hero. There's now a documentary about him working on Dune called Jordowski's Dune. Oh, I would I need to watch that. Is that somewhere I can stream? Uh, probably somewhere. Look it up later. All right. Excellent call, Gabe. Um, I'm going to say that, uh, I like the, like, I'm even, I'm even going to put true grit in this category. The reason we all like true grit and have good feelings about the new one isn't because someone remade it. It's because the freaking Coen brothers, the Coen brothers. I mean, that's, that's all right here. So let's, let's break down some of the problems that people have with Westerns. All right. They, they view the stories as myopic and they don't tend to do great in, the, the box office yeah. uh, unless they are just Westerns. Right. The problem is you can't mix Western with other things. <laughs> right. You can't mix Western with superhero. You can't mix uh, like Drona hacks. You can't mix Western with uh, uh, aliens, cowboys and aliens. <laughs> can't mix. I mean, you can, but you're, you're not looking no, at. But, uh, but you're going to yeah. get a crappier movie. Yeah. Right? That's why a lot of people are worried about Dark Tower succeeding. Uh, because it is very much a a western inspired science fiction fantasy well, tale, and, and then let's get into uh, television westerns, sure. for which you have a tremendous legacy on HBO with Deadwood, which, mm-hmm. for my money, might be the best western story ever told. I completely, one hundred percent agree. It's uh, fan freaking tastic, and certainly is not something that you could get away with on PG thirteen. No, and is great for it because yeah. it is this very very bloody visceral version of like what does it like what does a western town being born and civilized look like yeah what is that ugly birth and also what is they they did something really this is what i love about deadwood they straddled this line of man this is let's talk about the real grit of the dakotas during this period where people are trying to establish themselves and what the power struggles were like and what uh you know what things like slavery and what the chinese and what all these other things were doing to the to to the culture of who should be get, who be here and who shouldn't and all that stuff it's all real serious real hardcore stuff but they still managed to make every character into the kind of western archetypes i i want yeah they made you know mustache tw- uh twisting villains they made like like right down to the fact that wild bill hickok is a, a factors in massively into the show. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That show is so good. It's the only disappointment in that show ever at all is that it didn't really finish. They just kind of cut loose and didn't have it 
be done. But 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 yeah, great example. And that show that show would not be. I mean, if they put that in theater today, it'd be I mean, rated for, R. for anybody who has not seen this show. Yeah. Number one, if yeah. you have not seen the show, please call in to the show right now. Uh, 801-895-4724. And I'm just going to yell at you. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what so this is. Just going to call in and I'm going to yell at you. If you haven't <laughs> seen the show, just say, Justin, I haven't seen Deadwood. And I'm just going to yell at you. Okay? Well, we'll find out from this caller if, if they have. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Gabriel from Redlands. Justin, I haven't seen that one. Oh. Okay, number one, you're an idiot. What are you doing with your life? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? Are you going to do it? Are you going to watch it? Like, is this enough to make you go yes. see it? Okay, all right. This is the plan. All right. I will. All right. It's on yeah. HBO Go, and now it's it's available on DVDs and Blu-rays. Like, it's not like you can't find it. So I uh, even people that don't like Westerns, my our, our uh, mutual buddy Brian Ibbett, does not, he is not a Western fan, and he yeah. loved Deadwood. So. Well, I mean, and here's the other thing. Is is Deadwood is brilliant for a million different reasons. Uh, uh, you know, chief among them is that the the absolute mad genius David Milch, who uh, is is a uh, a train wreck of a human being, and 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 yet everything about him is just screams and oozes brilliance. Yeah. Uh, just the matching of his dialogue, which like on its own little rustic silver dollar. Has on one side the the stoic Gary Cooper John Wayne of his moment mm -hmm. in uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant, yeah, and then on the other side is just like the raging id of 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 the old West and Ian McShane, and both of them having that language just spewing out of their mouths is for them alone captivating. Yeah, it's, it is. It is, but they're. They're 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 constantly that stuff is constantly emanating through the other people around them. Like their core to it, you're absolutely right. They're the they're the the I don't know the center of the sun, but the sun is made up of these amazing bit oh, yeah. parts, short parts. He was only here three episodes. He was here the whole time. But all these people, Worm Tongue is the doctor. He was freaking amazing. Yep. Oh, it's just so good. So I know that's not why you called, but we should tell you that you should watch it. All right. So watch it. I'll watch it. All right. What were you going to yeah. You actually had a, qu a question or a thought, would you? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to um, go back to kind of the hard R argument. Um, I think, like, if you avoid something like Disney's remake of The Lone Ranger, that was uh, wonderful. It's terrible. Um, Ugh, but so I bad. think, like, if you look at Hell on Wheels, mm. uh, I think they do. They handle it, the, the gritty atmosphere and all that well with keeping into even a TV friendly sort of thing. So totally, I think totally agree. No, hope. that's a, that's a great example. Do you think that show would work though on like network TV? I, I'm not so sure. I think AMC is the perfect home for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah, show. I'm glad you brought that up though. Cause I think mentioning that we would be remiss had we not mentioned, um, uh, hell on wheels. It's a really, really great show. I mean, I'm not going to put it, it's very different than say, uh, Deadwood is, but they've nailed the whole, like, westward movement do whatever you can to have power i'm running this town now stuff uh the kind of hero that's sort of flawed and jacked up but in the end you totally root for him like they they know what they're doing to that show and i'm really glad it's continued to uh to thrive and survive justin if you haven't watched hell on wheels you should it's good uh i i i have not it 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 was one of those shows that i was certainly interested in and then I but I never really kind of clicked. As soon as AMC, like, they 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 started putting out more shows, and and enough of them were not 
fantastic. I kind of stopped making them the like, I got to see every show they put out. So when you say not enough of them, you're really just talking about Walking Dead, right? Is that the one you mean? No, 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 no. I mean, also like they had that, that show Rubicon, which I really liked. And oh, then yeah. they they cut that off after a season. And I really liked that. But then there were a couple other ones that uh, they're so forgettable that I've I've kind of not remembered them. Uh, but no, no, no. Walking Dead again. Like I, I'm, I'm more adversarial toward Walking Dead because I know it gets a rise out of people. Uh, you know, it's just a poorly written show that frustrates me. I like it because it reminds me a little bit of a Western. It does. It does. Well, especially because and th- there is an element of post-apocalyptic stuff that goes into this. And this y- you put down here on the on, on the sheet, uh, you know, elements that take or shows or movies that take elements of the Western and take them to another place. So let's stay on HBO from Deadwood. All right. You have Westworld coming out. Oh, yeah. To That's high praise so far, by the way. Seems to be. And listen, the last time that HBO took this long on a show in development was Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. where they scrapped an entire pilot and then reshot it with new actors for a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it turns out to be gigantic and huge. But we'll see. Uh, caller, what do you think? Um, well, I was actually calling the, the senior geek. Oh, hey, we may know you because you work at Lantronics. Hi, Gary. What up? I wasn't going to bring that up. You guys <laughs> should bring it up. I, it's, I an old, it's an old joke. It just keeps coming my back. marketing department very happy. Well, that's good. That's good. What's, uh, what's on your mind about all this Western stuff? You've been around long enough to have seen a lot of Westerns, I'm guessing, in your life. Yeah, I, I put in the in the uh, tad pool actually that I saw how the West was won at the Cinerama Dome, mm-hmm. and as a movie, uh, you know, with plot and all of that. Of course, I was about twelve. Uh, it probably doesn't hold up, but man, seeing it with the three projectors and on the big circular screen, well, not circular screen, but semicircular screen, mm-hmm. it was incredible. Wow. I felt like I was there. That's awesome. So had had lots of fun. Uh, you guys missed Jeff Bol- Goldblum when you were talking about Silverado. Oh yeah, Jeff Goldblum's in that. He's a slimy bastard in that thing. And the little yeah, short well, he who- doesn't doesn't seem like until right at the end. That's true. I guess I gave something away there. Um, this the the little barkeep lady who was in um, Apocalypse Now. Uh, she won an award for that. Crap, what's her name? Little what tiny. Oh, she ah, she's the she does VO for the God of War games. I can't think of her name. Oh, she's what so, talking about? Which movie? Uh, Silverado. She's great in that. Oh, yeah. Little tiny short lady, curly hair, big, big dumb looking saloon dress. Oh, uh, other actors who show up in that thing you should be aware of. So this is pretty great. Uh, there's a scene uh, or a couple of scenes with a guy, and I forget his name in the movie. Oh, I got to look it up. It's going to drive me crazy. Who's the who's the guy that, that did the American let the right one in uh, or let me in? Let's see. 2010. Here it is. Had that um, Chloe Grace Moretz in it. Oh, Richard Jenkins. You know who I'm talking about. Richard Jenkins, right? Everyone loves Richard Jenkins. Great actor and all, all kinds of stuff. Dude's oh, got this yeah, tiny yeah, yeah, bit yeah. part in Silverado. Really great part. Gets thrown out of his own saloon, and Brian Dennehy just about shoots him. It's really good. There's lots of weird little parts like that. I cannot recommend that movie enough. Silverado enough. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But I mean, it's 85. I, it's old, but it's good. It's really good. Yes, yes, there, Gary. I, I just wanted to make make the one point is that I, I haven't seen Deadwood. I've only watched two episodes of Breaking Bad. You guys talk about all these incredibly wonderful things, but, you know, i got to work for a living. And so <laughs> I, I'm planning on getting to them pretty soon, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, it, they're all in my queue. But, all right. Uh, we'll go hey, watch. Man, well, we'll get there. De- Deadwood, jump it to the front. 
Yeah. Right. Move it up. Listen, also, it ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Like all it takes yeah. is, is, you know, watch at your own pace. Watch 15 minutes a day and, and eventually you'll get to the end and you'll enjoy every minute. of. And there's not even that much because, you know, we're talking about what? 10, 12 episodes a season. Last season only had eight or something. Seasons, yeah. Yeah, three total seasons. It's nothing. So it's real small. Go for it. We're not like the old days with 24. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? It's Scott. Hey, Scott. What's going on? I like that name. It's a good name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Deadwood either. Oh, well, you should do. Uh, Brian, you God, man. What the hell is. Why are we doing this show if no one's going <laughs> to listen to the pearls we're dropping? It's free, by the way. If you have Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. You have oh, no. Yeah, that's right. I forgot I Prime had Amazon it. Prime. I want. I will not watch it only because iTunes made me buy it by accident, and I couldn't get them to refund me. Oh, so why I did? Wait, how did you? How did that work? How did you buy a whole thing for by accident? What happened there? I don't know. Something work related. Because I use my personal iTunes account at work, and it's and probably because it ended you said up downloading the entire season, first season, and I said screw this, and they wouldn't let me give me my money back. Weird. It's, it's probably because you yelled into your Apple TV, "I wish I had the greatest television show ever created," and then it showed up there, and then you looked at the genie in the face and you said, "Stop it, take it away." You know what? You say that you say that sort of lightly about it being the best show ever, but I'm gonna put it right up there, in my top probably five of all time. I'm not sure where it is in the five, but of my TV shows that I would consider the best TV shows I've ever seen, Deadwood's right freaking yeah, up there. Yeah, I mean, here's, if we're really, and this is more of like the like peak television with a capital P and a capital T and a capital V kind of uh, issue, that if you're really splitting hairs, it, it, it does great in its postage stamp kind of world, right? But it never dares to go beyond it. And, and that... For some people, if you're if you're saying like, okay, if you are judging artistic merit or, or artistic output by how much you are daring to do versus execution, then you can probably ding it a little bit, you know, uh, compared to something like Mad Men or or something like that, like where it, it continued to shift cast and it shift time period and it shift, you know, all these like different themes. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't think that you could tell a story about a town any better in right. any time period right i totally agree plus that that's my rule though it needs to adhere to the mythology and the mythology doesn't change you don't get a brand new era you don't get to the point where well after the the golden spike goes down now trains are coming on the regular and everything's changing and all the french ladies are bringing their clothes with them and and crime's way down and there's there's real order in this city and the governor's now got his own mansion like who gives a shit we want it to be when things are going bad and things are going sour man well, especially because so much of Deadwood, this is just the Deadwood podcast. Uh, yeah, so much of Deadwood, which is a real town, and and uh, the, the characters are based on real people. Yeah. Like real stuff happened to that town after uh, the 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 show ends, timeline wise. Like there are there are characters that become very important in their region. Yeah. And and there are things that happen to that town and mysteries that they never even explored that you kind of always expected, uh, you know they would they would get to and they and they never did because you know David Milch is crazy and wanted to do John from Cincinnati. So do you think? Oh, that's right, dude. Well, that was it was more to do with the fact that that cast was so amazing and they could just not make those deals. Yeah. Uh, with 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 the cast because they all just became. 
That's true, but but most of them went on to like you know Anna Gunn really hadn't she didn't get Breaking Bad for years later. That was like '09 or something. Um, you didn't have Timothy Oliphant did a couple of crappy movie roles, but really his next big thing was like Justified, Justified yeah. maybe Damages. You could count. No, but I mean they were getting movie roles. I mean if you look at like right after there, you know Timothy Oliphant I think was in that next Die Hard movie. Um, oh they right, were getting big work. You know I forgot like, he was the all- he was the bad guy in that, wasn't he? Again, that's the thing is that it, it's not even necessarily that they all became gigantic stars. It's not right. like like Arrested Development where all of a sudden everybody in the cast, you know, was starring in their own movie franchise. Right. Uh, it was that they just all were all working, you know. It's kind of a Game of Thrones problem if they went much longer in the next two seasons. You know. Well, why do you think they got to they got to put Game of Thrones? Those people, they got to they, they 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 run them back to back to back to back. Like yeah. they're basically like. They're like football players. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah, there's an off season, but you're doing pre-prep work so you can get back to work. They got to put that shit to bed. Well, um, I mean, because like Game of Thrones, they have those actors. They are either shooting Game of Thrones or yeah. promoting Game of Thrones yep. year round, and they have been for five years. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. And then a couple little things here and there. You know, you got an X Men there. You got a or X Man. You got uh, what's his name doing car commercials? Like stuff happens. But it's, yeah, but but they're but that's because they're in demand and someone's paying a high price that, and and probably yeah. shooting on their schedule. Yep, yep, totally. Uh, by the way, someone in the chat says Scott better than the West Wing. Uh, the West Wing's definitely in my top five. Um, which one's better? I don't know. I haven't thought hard enough about this list. I freaking love the West Wing, and maybe that's because the word West is in it. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. Uh, let's add. Oh, this call won't come through for some reason. All right, whoever that was, sorry, your phone's weird. Um, all right, so expectations for that movie are fair to Midland. I hope it's a success financially, and uh, Chris Pratt's enough star power to, okay. to okay. take it in a nice not, place. Do not, do not, do not look at Rotten Tomatoes. You want to do the over-under? Yeah, let's do it. I haven't looked at all yet. Have you? I have not. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, I mean, I kind of agree with you, generally speaking, about expectations on this, but I'm going to say 60 I would go under that. You'll say under 60? Yeah, because that, that's the, the line between fresh and... Yeah, that's true, which isn't why I chose it. More, more I just think that's where it's going to land. But okay, so, all, right. all right. So I'll say over I'll 60. Say You'll say under 60. I'll say over 60. So you're... All right. So it, it's we're right there on the line. Yep. It's right either it's either one way or the other. It's rotten or it's not. That's how we can look at this if we want. That's it. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it's if it's red, I'm dead. If it's green, you're Sheen. With the... <laughs> I don't want to be Sheen. You're Sheen. I don't want to be though. You're, you're well, listen, Charlie or Michael, pick one. Uh, so there are other eras of westerns, and I wonder if any of these should come back. I think of classic westerns as sort of your John Wayne uh, fair sort of thing, right? Like your. Yeah. Oh, the West 40 and this man, this great white man has come to save us or whatever. Yeah. And then you can all, all, all that Katie bar the door stuff. Yes. And, you know, fighting uh, Indians that were actually white guys with makeup, stuff like that. Yeah. Then you got your spaghetti Westerns, which were uh, mostly during the 60s and early 70s and a lot of fondness for that stuff. Uh, fun, fun thing about spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. Did you know that they there is no original language to a spaghetti Western? Because all the actors would shoot in their own languages. Right. And then they du- all got dubbed later, right? So they all got dubbed. So there's no such thing as a spaghetti western that doesn't have subtitles. I think that's that's true. Everyone I've seen always has terrible dubbing and it's part of the charm. Yeah. Like I really or, like right. that about it. Um so 
those are fine. Clint Eastwoody, you know, era stuff when he was sort of doing Pale Rider junk and all that. That's your stuff there. Then you've got what I call the modern take. That's Silverado and forward. Wait, wait, that, wait, can we can we stick on on spaghetti western? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. By the way, why why spaghetti? Why didn't they do some other stereotype of Italian people? Why not rigatoni westerns or meatball westerns? Because <laughs> oh, spaghetti's easily the headliner pasta, right? But isn't it isn't that in itself very ethnically uns- insensitive? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like jumping straight to spaghetti for Italian people. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been like ravioli westerns or. Or Italian westerns, right? Biscotti like, westerns. No, I get it. Or Ita- yeah, or Italian westerns. Yeah, or or Italian westerns. No, it, it's spaghetti. Well, also they just like it. Just sounds fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. That sounds like a genre of film that you want to go that that you want to go watch. And also, no one's tuning in for uh, you know fusilli westerns, right? No, like, no you're right. You're right. Bow tie westerns. Yeah, uh, angel hair pasta westerns. I get angel it. Angel hair westerns, right? But when I so when I but when I think of those, so it's funny. When I was a kid, I had no idea when people would say spaghetti westerns. I didn't know what that meant i thought that just meant they were kind of ramshackle and crazy i didn't realize it meant they were made in italy by italian directors and often actors i had no idea i just thought it meant oh it's a spaghetti western more like crazy and all mixed up and noodles everywhere and like that was the 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 evocation that i used to get from dude the term bad and the ugly yeah if you have not seen such a great movie good bad and the ugly yeah that is a movie that holds up yeah totally it holds up to today's standards. Now, obviously, it is certainly paced in a way that feels like it's era. Yeah. But it is such a great story. Yeah, it's good. It 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 fits so well. And Eli Wallach is just amazing. Yeah. How awesome is it also that both Eli Wallach and Lee Van Cleef, yeah. right? Yeah. He's the other one. Yeah. Uh both still work it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You see you see both of them pop up. I think Eli Wallach might be dead now. Uh Van Cleef, I think, is alive though. So I'm in Van some... Cleef was in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, right, right. He yep. was in the tree. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's right? so funny to me. What a weird what a weird deal to have him do that. But hey, whatever. I mean I heard Oh wait, wait, was he? No, no, no. I'm thinking of somebody else. I thought that was him. That's not him. Who am I thinking of? Oh no, Lee Van Cleef died in, in eighty nine. Oh, he's dead? Who was in the tree in Game of Thrones? <laughs> Wait, which tree? He was also in. Uh, he was also in. What's it called? He was also in. Um, in. Uh, uh, Star Wars. Uh oh, recently. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, I don't know now. Now I don't know. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, you mean old man? Um, uh, uh, the, the the Grand Maester there in the Red Keep guy. No. Who farted? He was in Star Wars. No, 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 no. The guy in the tree was also the guy that. Um, Oh, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. Oh yeah, yeah, different dude. Yeah, yeah, no, he's great. I, I got, I got. Uh, you got your Sydow mixed with your. I got, I got my, I got my Sydow and my my Van Cleef mixed. Up. <laughs> yeah, the last thing this dude made was Steve. Uh, why did I think he was alive too? Um, my um, my brain's not working. But okay, so that's a great era. People should watch it. Eli Wallach just died two years ago, but yeah, you even then, man, he was in like the the sequel to uh, Wall Street. Yeah. That dude was on like Nurse Jackie. Yeah, like there he was. He was working right up until the end. Yeah, he was. That's good stuff to see him kill, still killing it. All right, then you got your modern take, Silverado and Forward. I would include Tombstone, all the Kevin Costner movies, Young Guns, that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, I am. I have mixed feelings about that era. I really like Tombstone and Silverado, and I really don't like Young Guns, and I mix and match on some of the Costner stuff. Although, if you've never seen Open Range, do yourselves a favor. And watch Open Range. I think it is one of the great modern westerns. It's an excellent movie. 
so Young Guns was really just there to to showcase the Brad Pack, right? Yeah, I hated it. And that I, was, I mean, that was that that that's what that's all about. And I knew it too. I knew I was being pandered to. I knew it was all about that. I knew this was just about trying to get me to see a bunch of movies with these people in it. Like it just pissed me off from yeah. top Emilio to bottom. Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, like that's the. What happened to Dermot Mulroney? And where's uh? Well, I guess we have um, what's his name's in uh, Longmire? Speak. Oh, then there's this new thing. All right. So like postmodern stuff, I would yeah. put Tarantino's work in there because it's very referential. Um, well, but- certainly, I mean his his most referential. I mean, aside from the fact that he just like liberally will take uh, any uh, any Morricone work he possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which of course is the the famous theme to Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and he's a famous composer right uh he i mean the, the the two tarantino movies that are easily the most evocative of the westerns are kill bill 2 not kill bill 1 yeah uh and what he calls his southern his his southern version of a western which is django and django and chain sure which is you know i've seen the original django uh it's like hateful eight which started out as a sequel to Django Unchained obviously takes place around the same time. And it's also Django or Hateful Eight feels like the thing part two to me. Like it's more of the thing than it is a Western, in my opinion. It's a lot of I know there's no actual alien, but it's a lot of like we're stuck in a cold place we can't get out of. And it's claustrophobic. Yeah, but it, it is. It has all those Western tropes, right? Sure, there's the sure. lawman and there's the, the, the whole like pain of the war that happened four towns ago and 20 mm-hmm. years ago, but you know, it, it still means something to us like that kind of stuff. Sure. And I'd, I'd throw, you know, true grit and a few other more modern takes the assassination of Billy, the kid by the coward, Robert Ford, by the coward, Robert Ford, whatever yeah. the hell that was. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, in its own dumb, weird way. Like it's nothing like most things. Uh, I've seen a couple other Westerns recently that are just weird. A uh, Tom bone Tomahawk. Like people are getting experimental. It's getting it's getting strange, and they're mixing and matching their their genres. And I think I'm okay with it. Like what I like about Dark Tower is a lot of the genre mixing. What I like about uh, Westworld, the upcoming Westworld, both the old '74 film and this new series, uh, is that it's mixing genres in a way that's very cool and very overt. Um, and I think that's actually the future of this stuff. So here's my here's my big grand opinion of what I'm trying to lead to here. I think the future of Westerns is somebody who figures out how to properly mix the, the genres in a way that is super compelling. It isn't just straight Western. And I think Westworld will be uh, will end up opening the door for a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, the question there is, is does that necessitate the fact that they are they're in a television universe and not a film universe? Right. Like, are people going to be more patient to see this? far future old west duality in you know a, a an hour a week mm-hmm. for 12 hours right then they are frustrated by it when it's just all jammed into an hour and a half where it's like it's the old west and she loves him but he doesn't love her and there's a gold coming into town and also it's haunted <laughs> and there's aliens like and also half of them are clones yeah but the movie you love you love that uh tarantino Clooney thing um uh, it's the Rodriguez Dust movie. Dust Till Dawn. It's one of the best movies that's ever been made. Dust Till Dawn is is a western and then becomes a horror movie. 
No. Yes. The, the, no, 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 no. From, from, from Dust Till Dawn is a crime movie that becomes Assault on Precinct 13. It's a modern day Western. It's like, it's like justified in that sense. It's like um, all the Elmore Leonard stuff. It's like. I mean, yes. Yes, in that many Westerns are crime focused. Yeah. Like, yes, it is also a crime movie. <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't really have anything to do. With, you're, like, you're right. Like the old tropes aren't there. I think of old crunchy for old men as a Western, for example. Like I just can't help it. Oh yeah, yeah. Or or uh, what? What I have not seen, but apparently is just getting rave reviews, is from our, uh, Hell in High Water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same deal. Same, same. I'm getting that same vibe. I can't wait to see that. Actually, people really like that. That's some Chris Pine that you want. You want to get on your uh, the tip of your tongue. I don't know why I'm saying that. Hey, we got a caller on the line. Who's this? Hey, it's Greg from Phoenix. Hey, Greg from Phoenix. How's it going in the hottest hole on Earth? Uh, it's not that hot anymore. It's oh. getting better. All right. Good deal. Actually, Wait, no, no, hot. no. Hold on. You don't get away with that. <laughs> what do you consider not that hot anymore? <laughs> hey, hey, today's high was under 100. It's been under 100 pretty much the entire week. And I got my friend posting from, like, outside of Marin. He was going for some crazy bike ride up in the, the hills above uh, wine country. And it was, like... It was actually hotter there than it was down here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that one. All right, so under a hundred, so so like ninety five. Like, what are we talking about? Probably around there. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> of course. And yeah. then we we go for, and hey, we actually went. We did some Pokemon Go with the family and the Cub Scouts and everything this weekend, and it was super nice in the evening, and everybody was just chilling. And well, was, I'll give you lovely, I'll think. give you that. The night nighttime in Phoenix in the summer is really great. It's the best. Yeah. But the daytime, you got to stay indoors. Anyway, so what's on your mind? Yeah. Oh, wait, Brian, do, do well, you want to do we do we want to know if you've seen? Yeah, Deadwood? have you seen Deadwood? I have not, and it's funny. Stop I saw it! Some people- Stop <laughs> it! I don't want to hear your excuses. Just watch it. All right, what else? What other what, questions? Well, yeah. I, I saw I saw somebody in the chat pool, and he actually placed the same opinion that I had of the the lack of ending and that just abrupt, just like almost it just. I, I, I don't want to hit that wall and then live the rest of my life and there's nothing more. Okay, you know it's I mean? a it's a fair point, but I'll, I'll, I'll let me tell you this. Let me let me tell you this. It's not as abrupt as as some would make you believe. Now, did it leave us wanting another season? Absolutely, but it wasn't like a cliffhanger that never got answered. It was, it was written as a finale. Like Milch Milch knew that it was probably going to be the finale, and he was written as a finale. Yeah, like, he just didn't do any like end of world moment type stuff. Main characters all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't have yeah. There there, there wasn't like you know uh, half the cast didn't die in the last three episodes. Yeah. Or we didn't find out they were all in heaven the whole time or some dumb thing like that. Like, it was just straight up, like, an ending. So I, I think, I mean, because the, the intent was by him and others, yeah, we'd love to do more. But then they didn't. And but but they, they also saw the writing on the wall. I was uh, So there was a great series uh, by Alan Seppenwall, I believe, who rewatched all of Deadwood and wrote reviews, like, after he had, it initially aired, years afterward. Yeah. And some of the actors and the writers would chime in in the comments about things that he had written. So they're like he wound up getting this like unofficial kind of commentary. And one of the writers or producers, I forget which, uh, was talking about those last that last uh, uh, episode that they shot. Yeah. And they had run so close to other people's schedules because everybody else was so busy that pretty much half the cast was gone. They were tearing down some of the sets. And like that set specifically, you just can't reset up. It's not shot in a soundstage. They have like a city. So when they tear that down, it just doesn't get built back up. You you have to basically 
spend, you have to restart the show once it got to her down. So they knew it was coming to an end. And it was a very expensive show to produce. Very, very expensive. All right. right, But that's probably not what you were going to ask. He probably had a whole different question. What were you going to ask? No, no, no. Not not really another question, but another point of, you know, I, I think that a lot of Western stuff, like you'd mentioned, Scott, going off to different genres and splitting things off and everything. And I think a really good example of that lately was Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's such a Western. It's a it's a space opera, obviously, but space operas are Westerns also. It's yeah, like I would Wars I would agree. I mean, Star. what is Star Wars if not a, a riff on that same idea? What are, you know, in, in some ways these newer Star Trek movies are that as well. I would argue that, that the reason I love some of these movies and the reason I, you know, absolutely adored Mad Max is because the elements are there. And even if they're not overt or even if they're not, you know, the same tropes we're used to with the same settings, the the ideas are there and they're really great ideas and they just rub me the right way every time I see them. I I, uh, I mean, listen, obviously there are elements of these stories that pop up and there are reoccurring elements that make them crowd pleasers. And specifically when we talk about science fiction, the idea of exploration, of running into the other, of figuring out how your own core morality factors into a gigantic crisis that is bigger than yourself. Uh, and there's no 911 to call. Yeah. Uh, these are all elements that obviously pop up. But for me, I, I I don't like saying that like any science fiction, like any space <laughs> opera is a Western. Sure, right, right. it is synthesis of a lot of stuff. Sure. But it's not a Western. But that movie specifically, though. No. It's uh, a bunch of outlaws have to band together, kind of Magnificent Seven style, using all their talents and figure out a way to save the deal. It's pretty much that. Okay, then, then the usual suspects is a western, and uh, and every team up and heist movie is a western, right? Well, all right, you're right. I may be imprinting some of this on these other things where it's not as not as prudent, but I still I get his point though. Like it does feel like oh no no, there's a little there's a dash, there's mm-hmm. a pinch. I'm not saying there's not a dash and there's not a pinch. I'm just right. saying that like let's let's try to keep our you know just because lettuce is green and peas are green doesn't mean that peas are lettuce. <laughs> Now you tell me. After all this time, <laughs> after all this time, I never knew. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's probably going to about do it for us. We were about in an hour, a little bit more. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that we should? Uh, anything we're looking forward to? I, I know there was speaking of Mad Max, a prequel uh, announcement made uh, that's in well yeah, into production. Are you, are you surprised? Just real quick, are you surprised that some people are kind of uh, farting on this? I'm not ever surprised that anyone farts on it. Um, I think that I'm ex- extremely excited the fact that George Miller is doing it again. It gives me all the confidence I need. I have no misgivings. I'm totally ready. I have. I don't even care what it is. I'm. I. I have faith in the project, and I will blindly go in and watch it and love it. And I may not love it, but I'm. That's how I'm going in. Here's so, all I want. Yeah. I. I don't want them to tell me a release date until he's done with the movie. Yeah, that'd be good. I just. Just go. Take five years. Take what Take you need. Five years, do whatever the hell you want. Yep. And and uh, you know because he's a he's a he's a he's a genius. Yeah. Like, he is. Sure. A, he is a freaking genius. Just he's, great. And yeah. and you know to see more of Furiosa here. All right, here. Well, the one question I did have for you on this: Can we not get a story? Do we? I mean, like this is something that's probably going to have to happen, and I don't know if I like it. Do we have to get the story of how she lost her arm or can her arm just like either be there or not? And we don't have to know. <laughs> All right. So somebody somewhere, including George Miller's 
tight circle of producers must have had this conversation or will have certainly this conversation about what are we doing about the arm? I'm with you that I hope we don't have to. I, there is nothing in me that says, oh, man, I can't wait to see how that arm goes. Like, right? I, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I only care in so much as it's part of, of what shaped her. And I could see him doing this lots of different ways. There's montage ways, sped up film stuff he could do, prelude stuff with voiceover that he likes to do. Like, there's ways to get past the arm quickly. Um, but, yeah, I don't really need to know. Only thing, and I trust him to not do it. Right. Because this is like Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. I know he becomes Vader. Well, and also, like, there is a specific thing, especially when it comes to strong female characters, that a strong female character needs to be assaulted, often sexually, mm-hmm. or disfigured in some way to become strong. Yeah, typically that's true. I want Furiosa to be maybe not the same badass, right? Mm-hmm. But a badass when she starts. Because, like, we didn't have to, like, you know, Dirty Harry <laughs> didn't have to get raped in an alley to become <laughs> Dirty Harry, right? <laughs> like, he was just a hard-boiled dude, and he went on a hard-boiled adventure. Right. Right? Right. Which is why when you get a movie like Death Wish, Death Wish is a movie where something horrible has to happen to the main character yeah. for him. But even then, it was his wife and daughter that got raped and killed. Yeah, in a, in a way, I'm excited to see them tackle this particular challenge because I don't need them to give me a bunch of backstory. I really don't. What I need is... Just another me, Furiosa adventure. Another adventure of her doing some things that lead to something else. It doesn't need to be all the moments that turned her into what she is. I don't need that. Like, I don't need Anakin Becomes Vader. What I need is... I want to see her do some other things. I want to see some other villains in this world. I want to see I want to see that world get blown out a little bit and I want to see other sides of it, other places and the little nooks and crannies. I want to go deeper into the world of of Mad Max. The bigger question is, can you make a Mad Max movie that has n- no Mad Max in it even though he's in the title? Here's all I know. <clears throat> I don't know. That man he can do sequels. <laughs> Babe Pig in the City knocked it out of the park. It's a great movie. Happy feet too. Yeah, happy your feet is what I call it. Pretty happy feet. And now, now Mad Max, right? Well, that means that it Road is Warrior. Last- Road Warrior was amazing. Thunderdome. Eh. Hey, listen, eh. somebody. We need a hero. Eh. I don't know. They had its moments. I know who runs Barter Town. Like all that stuff became clear, but there's some problems with it. Yeah. But my point is, I have full faith. Totally jazzed. Not a naysayer at the in, in, in the least. I cannot wait for whatever the hell he does next. So y'all can complain all you want, but that was the best movie I've seen in 10 years, and I can't wait for the one that comes after. Even if I'm disappointed, I'm still going in happy. I mean, because I feel like like that's one of those movies where if they like toured it with a live orchestra, yeah. you know, like I would go see it. Yeah. I, I would spend $50 to go watch like a live orchestra play along. Oh, so would I. Like the black and white one they're putting out? I would do that. Yeah, like I mean, like I, I would, I would be. That's a movie that was so great that I want to see it on in a in a great theater with not a great screen. I want to see it in an IMAX mm-hmm. with uh with like you know eight K projection. Yep. I want to see it in three D. I want to see it in two D. I want to see it in black and white. I want to <laughs> see it in French. Like everything <laughs> and anything. Uh, I love, I love that movie. Yeah, so. it's so good. So don't everyone calm down. Listen, I know you're the internet. And you don't know what else to do, but just calm down about this one. Let it wash over you. Let it be what it's going to be. And look, we made it through Thunderdome and got to something amazing so many years later. Yeah. It's okay to wait and see what happens. It's fine. Yeah. 
Just relax. Um, all right. That's, uh, I think, going to do it for us. Uh, we should plug some things, though. You got some stuff to plug? Uh, yeah. Go ahead and check me out everywhere that you have a social network. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Justin R. Young. Again, Justin R. Young. Yeah. And uh, if you are in London, it is looking like I'm going to do a house show in London. Ah, old London town, eh? So uh, might 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 figure that out. Uh, details forthcoming, but follow those social networks if you want to get it. We'll have to get Terpster out there to see you in while you're there. We're thinking about going out to 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 wherever to Bri- he's at. Bristol. Uh, Bristol. We're thinking about going out because it's only an hour or so by uh, by train. So we're thinking about maybe going spending a spending a, a an afternoon and an evening in Bristol. You should. You should look. Um, go see where he works and all the stuff he's doing. It's pretty rad. Oh yeah, no, I I do. I want to go see uh, the Yog uh, the Yog Empire. Thing. Yeah, Yog Towers, as they call it. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I've got stuff too, but you can just follow me on Twitter, Scott Johnson. I got all kinds of things going on, but I don't. I can't remember any of them right now. I'm going on uh, Twit's TNT show here in about half an hour. So, hey y'all, if you want to catch me on that, uh, catch me there. <laughs> Also, uh, all over the place, the new shows all week. So check that out, frogpants.com for more. You can find us on Twitter, Hotline Monday for the show. Justin R. Young and Scott Johnson again for our accounts. You can email us, hotlinemonday at gmail.com if you'd so like to. And for all the other details, frogpants.com slash hotline monday. I think it's going to do it for me, for Justin, and for all you Colin chuckleheads. We'll see you next time. See ya! This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>